The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Trump isn't trying to clean up his dictator comments. He is doubling down. He's someone who studies strong men. Is this kind of rhetoric familiar to you? It is. And he's making uh, being a dictator his brand. Violence is already his brand. Uh, he has been educating the American people to want an authoritarian style of leadership. He never admires democratic leaders across the world. It's always autocrats. By everyone from Mussolini to Pinochet in Chile up to Trump. This is an old playbook. We need to take what Donald Trump is saying literally. We should be taking this literal. It's very chilling. You have dealt with dictators. I mean, in your role as a national security high-level official over the years, do you see similarities in some of the tactics that Trump is taking to what you've seen from authoritarian dictators? Well, certainly uh, Nixon, Richard Nixon looks like a choir boy next to Donald Trump. It's in part, it's a sign he doesn't have the slightest idea what he's doing. The damage he did in his first term was not insignificant, but it was all repairable. Mm. The damage he could do in a second term, and I say that again, even though the terms are disconnected, may be irreparable. And, and Frankly, there will be no adults in the next administration. They'll either be under investigation or audit or in jail, that they will not respect the rule of law, that they are in their own world entirely loyal to Trump. And so this is absolutely frightening. And this is what happens, by the way, with dictators, that slowly their circle tightens so that mm -hmm. only the most loyal, the most supplicant, the most um, diehard and extreme voices um, surround him. There is no tripwire on the way to totalitarianism. And frankly, with the Supreme Court that we have, that is so extreme and so deferential to executive power, there won't even be a court that will stop it. And looking forward, you argue that this problem will compound in a second term, that he'll appoint even more judges who can look favorably on his authoritarianism. What might that look like? And we sort of see that he's kind of giving us clues. For example, that interview recently that in, during that CNN town hall when Hannity was begging him to say he wasn't going to be an autocrat. And then he said, except on day one. So I do think we're really seeing it in him a lot of, you know, the clues. And he's sort of gotten better at being an autocrat. There's your army of Trump hating women. Plus, uh, plus John Bolton's mustache. They're there to tell you they're still carrying on with uh, this. I guess we could say that's this week's narrative that Trump is an autocrat. He's a dictator. He's Hitler and he must be stopped. But as you'll see from uh, the latest poll numbers, we'll show you that in just a moment. It's not working. It just isn't working. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily as we kick off another week of broadcasting here at thetrumpet.com. Just go to trumpetdaily.com and you can watch the live stream every weekday morning at 11 a.m. in the central time zone of the United States. You can also follow the show over at Rumble, our Rumble channel. Just go to rumble.com forward slash trumpetdaily. And there you can join the live conversation and also leave us some feedback and, of course, the thumbs up. Feedback is appreciated through email as well, tdatthetrumpet.com. So here, I mean, in some ways, you listen to this next uh, excerpt. This is from uh, Morning Joe. Just, just today, as they're going through the latest numbers coming out of Iowa, it's, it's, it's almost like it's the strongest Trump endorsement that there could be, clip eight. We now have Donald Trump leading with an outright majority in Iowa, 51%. Ron DeSantis, a very distant second at 19. Nikki Haley, 16. Ramaswamy and Christie at four. We last polled Iowa in October, also with the Des Moines Register. Since then, look at this Donald Trump's lead. He has added eight points to his total. So for all those things that we thought might be given DeSantis a boost over the last month, it is Trump, despite not participating in the debates again, it's Trump who's made the big gains. It's remarkable. Trump's 
surge in popularity among evangelicals who were pretty skeptical of him uh, back in 2016, and now he's never been more popular with them. So John Hallman, um, yes, New Hampshire could be a little different. It's a different electorate than we see in Iowa. That's where I think the Haley camp thinks they'll fare better. Uh, we know Chris Christie has his long shot hopes uh, pinned to New Hampshire as well. But as we look at these numbers, 51 to 19, in a state that Trump previously didn't do all that well, are we kidding ourselves to think this is even a race at all? Is this just a simply a foregone conclusion that Donald Trump will be the nominee? Look at how, on the one hand, they're acknowledging the inevitable. And on the other hand, they're just so out of touch. They're so out of touch. They're going on and on about how he's the worst ever. And yet he's, he's gained in popularity since October. The same poll coming out of Iowa. And, and since that time, DeSantis had the big, uh, the big debate with Newsom. He, had, he took the trip across Iowa. He had the support of the mainstream media all the way through. They're trying to give him all of this publicity, and Trump's lead is growing. Rick Wilson, another Trump hater, he's on one of the shows talking about what the, what the Trump cabinet might look like. The people that, that Donald Trump, assuming he gets elected, could then appoint to these key positions in government. Listen to this. This is clip seven. This Axios report of cabinet posts under a second Trump term presidency reads like a who's who of incompetence, incels and insurrectionists. How is this list not immediately disqualifying for Donald Trump? Because Donald Trump exists in an entirely separate media bubble now. He exists in a world where those people are the pictures of his America First movement, when in fact, these are people that you would not put in charge of a Waffle House. They are dangerous. These are really strange people. These are people that Americans, if they if they take a long look at it, will be repulsed by what they, these folks believe. If you look at that graphic, I mean, half those people have been in government before. Quite a few of them have been elected into office. You've got Tucker Carlson there. Uh, at the left, he's the most popular, or was anyway, the most popular talking head on television. Got fired for his views, even though he had the highest ratings. So they're doing their best to try to censor, to try to blot out, to try to destroy Hitler. you got to destroy him any means necessary, right? And yet the numbers, they just keep moving higher. Trump uh, was in New York City over the, the weekend, and there's more and more in his camp saying that New York's in play just because of the chaos in New York City. All the migrants just flooding into and, and receiving all of the benefits that the poor people are not receiving. The actual Americans are not receiving. This was Trump in New York City. This was a, a Republican event of some kind. Clip six. Just like with Russia, 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 the radical left communists, Marxists, fascists are always accusing us of exactly what they themselves are doing. It's what they do best. It's really what they do best. They're bad on borders. They're horrible on policy. They want high taxes. They're really bad on everything except for cheating on elections, in which they're perhaps one of the most brilliant groups of people in history. Every abuse of power the fake news is ridiculously claiming I will commit is, in fact, being committed by Crooked Joe and his thugs. They're trying to lock up their political opponents. They want to lock up their political opponents, in particular me. Thank you very much. It's an honor. They're trying to criminalize free speech and take total control over the American people. There they are actually the ones. He's been making this point pretty emphatically in uh, many of his recent speeches. These are the people, the ones he's going up against are the authoritarians, the dictators, the ones pushing to censor, to blot out, to eliminate free speech, to prevent him from running, to indict him, to put him in prison, all those things. One more clip, just skip ahead to, to number five. For four straight years, our opponents have been waging an all-out war on American democracy. They tried to overthrow the duly elected President, thank you very much. With one hoax, witch hunt, and abuse of power after another, one after another, right? All of the different things. Mueller, we had Mueller to take care of. We had more than anybody 
And, and think of it, we had all of that going on, and still people, I was reading today, some people, many people, consider this to be one of the greatest presidencies, all of the many things we did, greatest tax cuts in history, rebuilt our military, defeated ISIS, Space Force. We did so much. We became energy independent. We were soon going to be energy dominant. Then they rigged and stole the election of 2020, and since Biden got in, he has been weaponizing government against his political opponents like a raging third world tyrant. That's what he's been doing. He looks like an innocent guy. I actually, I actually don't really know that it's him because I, I, I know he's, I know the people that surround him. I think it's them and he's a perfect vessel. The perfect puppet for sure. And of course the dear leader working behind the scenes, pulling the strings, Barack Hussein Obama. We've talked about next year and what we can expect. The war in 2024, ready for war, we had at the uh, Trumpet Magazine earlier this year. Tomorrow's news today. But let's, let's project ahead even further to when Donald Trump is back in office. I think, I think our regular viewers know a little something about how the communist left here in the United States will react to that. They're not going to take it sitting down. But just, just, just think about the, the bigger picture even. How will the world react to the return of Donald Trump? My father gave a message over the weekend talking about uh, Carl Theodore Zu Gutenberg. We've had a lot to say about him at the, uh, thetrumpet.com. Here again, if you don't have a, a Trumpet subscription, the, the magazine edition, we've got uh, several right here, this one with the dear leader on the cover. Uh, but we've had Zoo Gutenberg on the cover before as well. And we've felt pretty strongly that he's going to return to a prominent office in Germany. In fact, even presiding over the European Union to subscribe to the Trumpet. The 800 number, it's one 930 Of course, you can get to most, if not all, of the Trumpet articles at our website, thetrumpet.com. But the point that my father made over the weekend is how that Zoo Gutenberg, he's a lot like the dear leader, Barack Obama. He really wants to see a clampdown on uh, free speech. He despises Donald Trump as well. He wants to do everything he can to stop Donald Trump. He says that Donald Trump is no friend of Germany. Uh, and a lot of people in Europe think that way. They think that Trump is dangerous. They think that Trump is the reason there's a war in Ukraine or Trump's the reason. He was a stooge of Putin. It's not just the, the regime media in the United States that believes that. There's a lot of people in Europe that think the same way. Richard Palmer wrote in his morning brief just this morning about, again, this push to regulate uh, free speech uh, in Europe. He, going back to Gutenberg, I mean, he's pushing for Europe to pull away from, for Germany to pull away from America and to go it alone. I just want to give you some, again, some big picture context here. You've got Zelensky's coming in tomorrow. He's vis visiting D.C. He's going to be begging for another 60 billion on top of 113 billion, pushing toward 200 billion dollars. Of course, all the aid and assistance, most of it anyway, has to come from the United States. And really what little the European nations are providing, I mean, it's depleting their stockpiles. America's too, of course. But this, this is an article. Speaking of tomorrow's news today, this is the Trumpet magazine, September 2018. Germany and Russia's secret war against America. It says here, Nord Stream 2 binds Russia and Germany together in a way that undermines NATO. In fact, though Russia and Germany will not say so, this pipeline project is clearly intended to wreck NATO. We're hearing a lot about NATO at the moment because, well, you've got to give Ukraine all the funding because otherwise Putin's going to just run right through Ukraine and then into some NATO country. And then we're really going to be in a bind. So we need to stop them in Ukraine first. That's what they're saying to try to get the 60 billion. 
But go back before the Ukraine war. And, and who was the outspoken critic on the world stage saying to Europe, look, we've provided your defense since the end of World War II. What are you, what are you making this strong tie to Russia for? You, you should be building pipelines in the direction of North America. But Germany just dismissed it. Well, what does Trump know? That was Trump. That was Trump who said what should have been said. You're reaching out to Russia, Germany? That actually happened. And it wasn't that long ago. And notice Germany just gets through it pretty much unscathed. No criticism whatsoever. Certainly not like what's leveled at the bad orange man. Now, the bad orange man, he loved Putin. Well, why did he come out and say, Germany, what are you going to our enemy for in Russia? We've provided this protective hedge, this, this protective umbrella for decades, and we've funded most of it. It's all that we can do to get you to pay 2% into the kitty. It says, why would these nations want to do that? Well, it's easy to see why Russia would. Why would they want to build this pipeline? and wreck NATO. My father's commentary, this goes back five years, five years ago. He said, Russian President Vladimir Putin views NATO as a force that restricts Russia's rise and slows down his quest to rebuild the old Soviet empire. So Putin is a madman, a dictator. He does want to push beyond Ukraine, ultimately. He certainly does. It says here, he, was, he has made no secret of his loathing for this U.S.-led organization. So his reason for wanting to unravel it, NATO, the NATO alliance, is plain. What is not as obvious is the fact that Germany also wants to eliminate NATO. That's right. There's a lot of deep staters in Germany that want to see the U.S. presence in Europe. They want to see it gone. They want to build this coalition and it's prophesied, by the way. Just want to hold this. We haven't held this up in, in a while. Powerful booklet. The Holy Roman Empire. There's a seventh and final prophesied resurrection of that Holy Roman Empire that's about to emerge. And look, you step back. You look at Trump's return. You look at what's happening in Ukraine. You look at the advance of Putin's army. And there are a lot of deep state bureaucrats of old school German leaders behind closed doors that are concerned and they want to see a resurgence of German military power and as it happens they've got a convenient cover the European Union that can conceal some of those troubling historical ambitions it says here America spent billions raising Germany from the rubble of World War II this is important context and billions more keeping the peace in Europe. Germany would not be where it is today without the vast amount of help America supplied. President Trump mentioned this in his remarks on July 11. So this would have been the summer of 2018. Should have pulled the soundbite. But this is quoting Trump, who said, We're protecting Germany. We're protecting France. We're protecting all of these countries. And then numerous of the countries go out and make a pipeline deal with Russia, where they're paying billions of dollars into the coffers of Russia. That doesn't sound like a Russian stooge, that comment, or that individual. That's Donald Trump dropping a truth bomb on Europe. And European leaders didn't like it at the time. They certainly didn't. My father says, why would Germany be spurning that history? He says, many elite Germans feel their nation has now gotten all it can from the U.S. And they're ready to move on. Yes, the German ruling class, the elites. Kind of like Zu Gutenberg. They've milked the U.S. dry. They've gotten everything they can from the U.S. And the bad orange man came along and said, hey, you've got to at least pay your dues. They didn't want to do that. Look, it's all or nothing. You provide everything. You give us security. You, you do the funding. And then the moment Donald Trump just tightens the screws ever so slightly, 
They're like, get America out. We've gotten all that we can. Let's go it alone. Let's build our own army. Let's build our own military. And you combine those ten nations together, as it's prophesied there in Revelation 17, and, I mean, this is a world power, a superpower, that can come together quickly. And it will. It will. The, the, <laughs> the sirens are sounding in Germany. We've got to get ready for war. We can't trust America, and Putin's on the march. It says here, Germans today are thinking more and more about the Holy Roman Empire and they want modern Germany to assume more power of its own in the spirit of that empire. They want to establish Europe as a mighty German-led superpower. I mean, this, this was Herbert W. Armstrong's. I'll play you the sound bites here in a second. Maybe we could head off with, uh, with one here to begin with. This is, uh, I think, number 12. The first one from Mr. Armstrong. Now, one of the great things that is urging Europe on, and perhaps the greatest thing that will cause them to hurry and get together on this, is their fear of what's going on in the Kremlin and the Soviet Union. They are losing confidence in the United States as having a military umbrella over them to protect them. And they want their own military force to protect themselves. That's the way they feel over there. Now, uh, that is the chief incentive to unite them, and that is taking place. That's from 1982. <laughs> so that's, that's uh, over 40 years ago. He was right. They're beginning to worry they can't, that, that they can't trust the United States for protection anymore, and they need their own protection from the Kremlin, from Putin. He said the Soviet Union, today Russia. Same thing. That's tomorrow's news today. Now, now you fast forward to what's just happened in the last five, six years, and Trump calling them out, this German-Russian alliance of all things. And, and, and Trump saying in 2018, why are you allying with, with Putin of all people? There were a, a lot of commentators that said it would lead to war between Russia and Ukraine, what Germany was doing there, this secret deal, which really, like my father said, was designed to bring down NATO. And sure enough, as soon as you get the dear leader stealing the election and the fake president installed, Putin waltzes right into Ukraine. Why not? Germany's largely to, bl to blame for that. But as I say, they get, they get no criticism whatsoever. All it was in the lead up to it. Trump, Trump, Trump. He's Putin's puppet. Trump says to Germany, why are you building that pipeline? And then Germany says, well, who does Trump think he is? Keep, keep your mouth shut. Maybe this alliance with, uh, with America is not going to work for much longer. And now we're to the point where, and I'll give you a pretty sobering story here in just a second about all these, these militaries and the lack of firepower in some of these European countries, they're getting ready to go it alone and to build up their own military superpower. This is from uh, Richard Palmer's Morning Brief. It says, the expertise in disinformation and propaganda, this is from, uh, I forget the source, it's from Poland, the Polish state media. Uh, Richard says that this is basically the Polish equivalent of the BBC. But it's, it's talking about, and Poland of course has a history with Germany that a few other nations have had, and they remember. It says, the, ex the expertise in disinformation and propaganda developed by Nazi Germany during the 1930s and 40s did not simply vanish with the fall of the Third Reich. Instead, elements of this expertise survived and evolved in various ways post-World War II. <laughs> That's from that Polish news source. I mean, That's exactly what Herbert Armstrong was saying that when the, the Allies came together after World War II, they, didn't, they did not exterminate Nazism. And, and your Bible says that it just went underground and it's about to reemerge again. Think about what these German elites 
are saying behind closed doors with respect to America and the NATO alliance. Look, we want NATO out of the picture and we want the EU to come together. In fact, we need the EU to downsize to 10 nations. That's what's prophesied. It's coming. Tomorrow's news today. It's not even just with the Trumpet magazine. I mean, you go back to the days of Herbert Armstrong and you're at the Plain Truth, the World Tomorrow program. That, in many ways, was his signature prophecy. The rise of Germany, the emergence of the, the seventh and final resurrection of the Holy Roman Empire, as I say, all of that's brought out. The history and the prophecy in this powerful little booklet. Call our operators today and request your free copy. No cost, no obligation. The number, one 930 3024. Richard Palmer says here uh, that this Polish news source reviewed the way the German Empire and then the Nazis put a lot of effort into disinformation, convincing the world that they were not to blame for World War I. And then it quotes this news piece. The, the continuity of these tactics underscores the persistent theme in German foreign policy, the adept use of economic power political influence and media narratives to shape perceptions and outcomes on the global stage. See, the communists aren't the only ones who, who have become quite good at establishing false narratives. The fascists can do that too. In fact, Germany's had a long history of doing it. It says here, whether it's through the lens of historical revisionism, economic policy, energy strategies, or the wielding of media and cultural institutions, Germany has demonstrated a unique and masterful capacity to project its interests and influence uh, and influence the international discourse. Finally here, Richard quotes them as saying, the European Union can be seen as the culmination of Germany's efforts in shaping international narratives and policies. In other words, Germany, because of its shady history that some people, yes, do still remember, they're, hi they're hiding their global ambitions behind the European Union, entering into these secret deals with Russia, just like they did before World War II. My father was right on top of it in that 2018 article. What are you doing? Trump was right. That's why they hate him. They don't just hate him here in the United States. It's not just Joe Scarborough. It's Zoo Gutenberg as well. How is this going to impact the world when Donald Trump returns. We, like my father said over the weekend, I mean, we are heading into some earth-shaking events. Further on here, well, just hiding behind the EU. You think back to some of the early days of the Trumpet magazine, <laughs> where we were quoting Margaret Thatcher, the late prime minister from the 1980s in Britain. And she warned about the formation of this union of European nations. A lot of the commentators then were saying, well, look, if we bring all the nations together, it'll be a way to sort of hem in Germany and control Germany. And she said, look, you haven't, you haven't anchored Germany to the European Union. You're anchoring the European Union to Germany. We're not that far away from the emergence. Mr. Armstrong, he talked often about crises uh, really accelerating the formation. And of course, the Bible talks about it coming together just for an hour. I mean, it's a short time. It's a mixture of iron and clay. So it's not a long-term substance that can stay around forever. But there's going to be real iron-like force, power, that this superpower wields. And we're seeing, we're seeing the emergence, not just of Russia and China, they're going to factor in significantly to Bible prophecy as well. But Europe too. And all of this happening when in Israel, that would be Ephraim and Manasseh. That would be the United Kingdom and, uh, and America. Sickness. Sickness from within. An attack from within. You've seen that sickness on display, so much of it, just in, uh, just in the past few weeks following Israel's 9-11. Who could have ever, I mean, you get these university presidents testifying last week and they can't even come out, come out and defend the Jews on their campuses? One of them had to resign in disgrace over the weekend. 
That's at least a little heartening. But what is wrong with people? What is wrong with their thinking? We're so woke. We've got to defend every minority, except the Jews. The Jews, it's okay to hate on them, as long as it doesn't lead to outright violence. And this is essentially what some of them were saying. It's unbelievable. You can't explain it, except that you know that Satan is the god of this world. He's the prince of the power of the air, and he has a special hatred reserved for the Jews. And he has a special hatred reserved for America and Britain. That's why he's trying to blot them out. God says he's not going to let it happen. God says he's going to temporarily save Israel by the hand of Jeroboam. But this is not a long-term salvation. Not at all. And that's what we've got to prepare our minds for. This world is about to explode. Another book you might add to your library if you haven't already. The United States and Britain in prophecy. Where do we factor in to Bible prophecy? Who are we in Bible prophecy? All of that and so much more. You can learn the truth on that in this book, The U.S. and Britain in Prophecy. You see the 800 number there on your screen, 1-866-930-3024. Don't forget about our website. You can get to all of this literature right now if you want to start reading as soon as possible. That's at thetrumpet.com. This article, though, about the... uh, Let me just read a couple more quotes. These are a couple that uh, Richard Palmer didn't put in his, uh, his trumpet brief. But it says here, this is from that Polish news source. It says here, The continuity of these tactics underscores a persistent theme in German foreign policy. To you, I think I did read that part. Further down it says, The European Union can be seen as the culmination of Germany's efforts in shaping international narratives and policies. That's a... Uh, That's a recent source. That's almost like a word-for-word rendering of things that Herbert Armstrong was saying back in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, when he, he was predicting, based on prophecy, the formation of this European Union, this, this group of nation-states in Europe, pulling together to revive the spirit of the Holy Roman Empire. And you've got a lot of elites in Germany and elsewhere in Europe calling for it. Asking, saying, look, we've got to remember our history. We've got to resurrect this, these roots. They're ready. They're ready. And they're looking across the pond. And they're seeing a United States, a weak communist government in Joe Biden with the the puppet master working in the shadows. They're seeing the same polling that Joe Scarborough and company see. They're anticipating Carl Theodore Zu Gutenberg. He's anticipating the return of Donald Trump. We've got to prepare for it, he's telling the elites. We've got to get ready for it. We need greater controls over the Internet in Europe. And we've got to be able to go it alone. We can't trust or rely upon the American superpower anymore. You you look at the funding to Ukraine, and uh, this is uh, one area where it, it appears anyway that Republicans in Congress are drawing a line in the sand saying, no, you know, look, we're not going to look at Ukraine funding until we get some security on the southern border in the United States. Listen to, this is Rand Paul on one of the shows, followed by Senator J.D. Vance from Ohio, clip 11. You're right now debating this $100 billion supplemental package that uh, Joe Biden wants uh, money sent to Ukraine if you're going to send money to Israel. Uh, And the Republicans so far have dug in saying we want policy changes at the border. Where is this going? You know, we don't have the money and the biggest threat, while I agree the border should be secured, an even bigger threat is to the dollar and to our currency. But on the Ukraine question in particular, everybody knows, everybody with a brain in their head, Jake, knows that this was always going to end in negotiation. The idea that Ukraine was going to throw Russia back to the 1991 borders was preposterous. Nobody actually believed it. So what we're saying to the president and really to the entire world is you need to articulate what the ambition is. What is $61 billion going to 
can accomplish that $100 billion hasn't. We have to remember, Jake, Ukraine is functionally destroyed as a country. The average age of a soldier in the Ukrainian army right now is 43. That's tragic. That's older than me. I'm 39. If this thing goes on a, a little bit longer, the average age of a Ukrainian soldier is going to be older than you, and then a year later it could be a Wolf Blitzer. That is a tragedy. This is a world that, uh, I mean, how do, you, how do you solve these kinds of problems, be it in Ukraine or, or elsewhere, for that matter? You can see why the, uh, the elites are in, in panic mode. We've got to do something. You know, they go on and on about the bad orange man and his uh, isolationism or his America first uh, agenda. But there's plenty that are, that are they're about to ready... They're, they're about ready to go with the Germany first or Europe first agenda. You know Putin. He's going with the Russia first agenda. Where is it leading? Hamas has its Hamas first agenda. Same with the mullahs in Iran. They're getting closer and closer to a nuclear bomb. What does that lead to? President Xi in China. Yeah, China first. But all of the wrath all of the demonic rage that's reserved for one man for the most part one man i guess to some degree putin as well but you know trump's worse listen to the regime media every monday morning it sounds exactly the same and yet he keeps gaining he keeps gaining on the on his majority when he comes back we've got to brace ourselves Prepare for the war in 24, but more than that, prepare for the return of Donald Trump. This is from the Wall Street Journal, the sobering article I mentioned earlier. The British military has about 150 deployable tanks and perhaps a dozen serviceable long-range artillery pieces. That's it in Britain. France, the next biggest spender, has fewer than 90 heavy artillery pieces, equivalent to what Russia loses roughly every month on the Ukraine battlefield. Denmark has no heavy artillery. It says, in the decades since the end of the Cold War, weakened European armies were tolerated by governments across the West because an engaged America, with its vast military muscle, underpinned the North American the North Atlantic Treaty Organization and Defense Policy in Europe, NATO, that is. The U.S. accounted for nearly 70% of NATO's defense spending last year. You can see why, again, and we, and we sympathize with it on this show, the, the MAGA movement saying enough, enough with the spending in Ukraine or NATO or ever, anywhere outside of the United States. We've got our own problems. But when Trump gets in and he does actually follow through on that, how do other, other nations react? That's the thing. I mean, it's true. America can't be the world policeman anymore. America can't keep up with its own problems. I saw today, it was, it was later on in my notes. Let me see if I can just get to it real quickly. It was on Bidenonomics, which, as I understand, the Biden people are trying to distance themselves from that term because they see that Americans are having to spend $11,500 more dollars per year just to maintain the, maintain the same standard of living compared to 2021? That's just three years ago. This is from the Wall Street Journal. They analyzed the housing market. Average monthly new home payment when Biden took office, again, three years ago, 1787 The average new home payment today, 3322 That's almost double. In, in less than three years, I think, I think Americans have a, legitimate, they have a legitimate gripe when they say enough with the money for Zelensky, for NATO, for anything else abroad. There's plenty, even in the Steve Bannon group, that they're a little bit uh, hesitant about sending money to Israel. Uh, America's most loyal ally in the Middle East. But what happens? What happens when the money stops flowing? When the United States can't print the money off and just send billions all over the world anymore? What happens when Rand Paul said there, the bigger, the bigger issue here is inflation. We're making our currency worthless. 
what happens when those propping up America's debt just let everything fall like a house of cards? What happens when they all realize that they've gotten as much out of America as they're going to be able to get? That's the way Zoo Gutenberg is beginning to think. Listen, Donald Trump's no friend of Germany. We need to cut ties with America. We need to prepare for the return of Trump. But, but certainly not Trump as an ally. That's not the way we view America anymore. Germany's and Russia's secret war with America. We had that at the trumpet five years ago. Look at where we are today. It says here, European nations have pledged billions in aid to Kiev, but have said they face economic constraints and production limits on weapons. Europe, I mean, they talk the talk. We want to help Ukraine, but they're really not following through. Richard Palm has written about this before as well, <laughs> sending old equipment or just making a promise, but not, not carrying through with it. It says here, if I can find where I was, if the U.S. pulls back from providing the bulk of aid, Europe doesn't have the stockpiles to make up the difference, nor can it resupply Ukraine and rebuild its own forces at the same time. The head of NATO's military committee said this year that Europe could now see the bottom of the barrel in terms of what it could offer Ukraine. You think the European elites, you think the German elites are going to sit around thinking, okay, militarily, we're at the bottom of the barrel. That's fine. We'll just stay there. No big deal. Or do you think they're going to accelerate the development of a new weapons system? Revamping everything, top to bottom. Got to do it. Got to provide a defense against Putin. You know, the guy we went into a secret alliance with over the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Remember him? He's on the march in Ukraine. We better have some kind of formidable military resistance in what used to be those NATO countries that America almost totally funded. Ameri how, how, just look at the foreign policy. The Bible calls Britain a silly dove. You could call America the same thing. Wanting to withdraw now, wanting to take care of America first, but practically forgetting about all the nuclear weapons we leave on, nu on uh, soil, on European soil, all across NATO countries, including Germany. A militarily weak Europe is a huge shift for a continent that boosted, sorry, that boasted the world's best armed forces from at least the early 1500s to the 1940s. That's quite a history for Europe. You know, that's that's Holy Roman Empire history. Did you know this? You go back to the days of Napoleon in the 1700s, early 1800s, all the way through to the 1940s. The Nazi machine headed up by Adolf Hitler. And they want to tell us that Trump is Hitler. What about some of this history? What about looking at actual history of fascism, fascism in, in Europe? What about looking at the, the Holy Roman Empire? And the multiple times that European authoritarians and dictators have resurrected the spirit of Charlemagne. It says here, a stretch of five centuries in which European armies and naval power carved up the world into global empires. That dominance ended during World War II when the region's armies pulverized each other for the second time in roughly two decades. After that, the U.S., and the USSR emerged as the bigger powers. Then the Cold War. Then the end of that in the 1980s, early 1990s. And now you've had the free-for-all ever since. Vladimir Putin, the strongman in Russia. You've got an authoritarian for life in China. In Europe, you've got the empire. It needs some, it needs some work to build a military. But you've got the empire. It's just like my father has said before, it's just lacking the emperor. It just needs the authoritarian ruler. He's coming. It's prophesied. It says here, Germany's army, which at the end of the Cold War had half a million men in West Germany and another 300,000 in East Germany, now has 180,000 personnel. 
and it talks about, again, the diminished supplies of weapons in uh, Germany. They're, they're at crisis mode in Europe. They see what's happening in Ukraine. They see, um, they see what's happening in Congress. You know, Trump's not in there yet. They see, though, what happens when Trump gets in. That's when the international aid grinds to a halt. That's when giving billions to every nation on earth stops. That's when, that's when world powers realize, okay, we've gotten as much out of America, the silly dove, as possible. And do you think they're going to then try to prop up America like America did for Germany following World War II? Rebuilding the entire nation, the nation we had just pulverized. And here comes Manasseh. Hey, we'll build you up again. Did the same thing in Japan. Do you think they're going to return the favor? Your Bible says we're entering into the times of the Gentiles. It's their time to topple the American superpower, to pulverize what once was the mighty British Empire, and to finally remove the Jewish, not the, not the radical Islamist menace in the Middle East, but the Jewish problem. Get it back to a one-state solution. Just get, the, get rid of the Jews. That spirit's strong even in America and Britain, shockingly. Coming back to this signature prophecy that Herbert Armstrong declared, again, he was right, he declared this for centuries. Listen to uh, clip 13. And some of us, my friends, know not only what we see when we're over there, but we know also what is prophesied. And we know what is prophesied to rise up in Europe. And we know which is the one and the only nation in Europe that is capable of dominating, and which is the economic and the industrial heart of all Europe, without which there could be no stability and strength. A human body cannot live without its heart. And the economic and the military body that is to rise up and to restore the Roman Empire, the thing that we least suspect here in the United States, it cannot rise up without its heart. And its heart is in Germany. The empire's there. Mr. Armstrong talked about the political union, the financial union, and then finally the military union. There's still some work to be done. We, we haven't talked about <laughs> these prophecies enough with all the turmoil going on in the United States. This, this Antiochus movement, the Jeroboam prophecy, it, it does impact the whole world. But there's other earth-shaking prophecies that are now that are now in the process of being fulfilled. What you heard right there, that's Herbert Armstrong. What was it? Ni the 1980s. <laughs> Way ahead of his time. This is from my father's little booklet, Germany's Conquest of the Balkans. He says the Germ this is I think the first version of this came out in the late 1990s. Germany triggered that war, by the way. And then what happens? Well, you have America doing all the heavy lifting. Of course. Of course. Germany just gets in there. They, they blow up the Balkans. And then America, and they tell the world, this is the bad guy and this is the good guy. Never mind the Nazi history with anything. Just know this is the bad guy. America comes in like a dutiful little silly dove and says, sure, we'll, car we'll carry out the bombing campaign. And then Germany gets through it all unscathed, not even criticized to this day. You can read about that more and more in the, the Balkans booklet. It says their imperial, speaking of Germany, their imperial goals catapulted in the, the decade of the 1990s at a time when they moved their capital from Bonn back to Berlin and their parliament to the Reichstag. See, they, they're really proud of that history at the Reichstag in Berlin. Germany has a master plan. We have warned about that master plan since immediately after World War II. Germany is fast becoming the fascist superpower of the West as the United States collapses as a superpower. 
Now you could look back at this and say, well, I mean, that's 1990s. I mean, what happened since? I mean, how come, how come the, the final fulfillment of all these prophecies you speak of hasn't come to fruition yet? Well, <laughs> look at God's perspective. With God, I mean, a thousand years is like a day. It's all unfolding according to plan. There are times, Mr. Armstrong said as much in some of those quotes or clips we've played for you over the years, where it appears that God is holding things back or times when it accelerates forward. I mean, ultimately, what God, what's uppermost in his mind is what's happening with his work. Because this is a message. What comes out from this show and my father's show, The Key of David, The Trumpet, The Magazine, The Booklets, it needs to go out as a warning message because God loves this world. And God wants this world to wake up and to see what's coming. I mean, we're past the point of no return with respect to national, any kind of a national change of heart or repentance. But there is time for you, the individual. You've got to act on it. I was just going over this in class this morning. I mean, that's what opens up our mind to really deeply understand God's truth. Psalm 111 and verse 10. You've got to do, you've got to act, and then the understanding will come. Herbert Armstrong, early on in his ministry, did you know that he observed or he kept the weekly Sabbath and the annual Sabbaths, God's annual holy days, talked about in Leviticus 23 and elsewhere. He kept them for 14 years and he didn't, he didn't even understand the purpose behind them. He kept them seven years with his wife alone and then, and then with a few people in the early, you know, the early Philadelphia era of God's church for another seven years. And then finally God started to open his mind. Oh, oh, this is to reveal God's plan, this magnificent plan and purpose for man. And we're to be reminded of it. Every year as we go through these annual holy days, we're actually to, to reenact the purpose, the plan. As we go to Passover and the Days of Unleavened Bread and observe Pentecost and Trumpets and Atonement and the Feast of Tabernacles and the Last Great Day. And because we understand that big picture perspective, then we can understand what was behind the message that Jesus preached, the true gospel of the coming kingdom of God. And we can understand what God says about sin and the life of a converted Christian and how it's about putting away sin and developing the character, the righteousness of God above and actually becoming perfect like our Father in heaven. Matthew 5.48, Ephesians, Ephesians 4.15, I think it is. The perfect man. The churches of this world, they're in so much confusion on any of these basic, these basic doctrines of God. And a lot of it has to do with just the full-on rejection of the days that God says you're to observe and to keep holy so that you don't forget. It says here, Margaret, well, it gives that Margaret Thatcher quote. We gave you that earlier. I guess I better hustle along since I've only got 30 seconds. <laughs> it says here, British economist and former Eurocrat Bernard Connolly in the rotten heart of Europe said that the European Union was only a cloak for German ambitions. Now, you read that today, or words to that effect, in that Polish news service. That appeared in our Balkans booklet more than 20 years ago. Almost 25 years ago. Should have brought that one up here with me as well. But you can get to it with the 800 number, just like you can order U.S. and Britain in Prophecy, He Was Right, and the Holy Roman Empire in prophecy. That's all that we have time for on today's show, unfortunately. You are listening to Stephen Fleury, and this is the Trumpet Daily. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you tomorrow.